You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, Leadership Committee Member of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses and Copy Editor for the Keeper's Log, the quarterly journal of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. This is the the first time we've done an episode together in the new year. So happy new year to you. Thank you. Today is January 16th, 2022, and this is episode 156 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll listen to an interview I did with our friends Bob, Ann, and Dominic Trapani of the America Lighthouse Foundation. We'll be focusing on one of my favorite lighthouses, Owl's Head Lighthouse in Midcoast, Maine. First, has anything happened on this date in lighthouse history, Cindy? Well, yes. A stretch of cold weather in January 1877 froze the Chesapeake Bay solid, and the port of Baltimore, Maryland was closed because ship traffic couldn't move through the ice. The conditions were disastrous for the Chesapeake's screw pile lighthouses. On January 11th, ice flows toppled the Keeper's Cottage at Hooper Strait Lighthouse into the bay. The Screwpile Foundation of Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse near Annapolis was battered by ice flows for four days, and the keepers tried desperately to stabilize equipment as the cottage leaned. On January 16th, the three-and-a-half-order Fresnel lens fell from its base to the floor and was badly damaged. The keepers rigged a replacement light in a window, but they had to abandon their post the next day. Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse survived that ordeal, and an iron icebreaker structure was positioned 90 feet to the north of the light station to block ice flows. The station was staffed by resident keepers until its automation in 1986, and it's now cared for by the Chesapeake chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. It's the only screw pile lighthouse left on the Chesapeake Bay. Also, on January 16, 1980, the American actor, playwright, and composer Lin-Manuel Miranda was born in New York City. He once said, quote, You cannot let all the world's tragedies into your heart. You'll drown. But the ones you do let in should count. Let them manifest action, unquote. So let's introduce today's guests, and let's start by telling everyone about Owl's Head Lighthouse. Sure, Jeremy. The growing limestone trade in Midcoast, Maine led to the establishment of a light station at Owl's Head at the entrance to Rockland Harbor in 1825. A tall lighthouse wasn't necessary because of the height of the promontory. The light is exactly 100 feet above sea level. The present 30-foot tall brick lighthouse tower replaced the original one in 1852. The station was automated in 1989 and the last Coast Guard keeper was removed. In December 2007, the Lighthouse Tower was licensed to the American Lighthouse Foundation. Then, in late 2012, it was announced that the Keeper's House had been licensed to the American Lighthouse Foundation and that it would serve as the organization's headquarters. Bob Trapani Jr. has served as the Executive Director of the American Lighthouse Foundation since 2005. In its 28-year history, the American Lighthouse Foundation and its chapters have been directly involved with many restoration projects, and the organization has been responsible for more than $4 million spent on lighthouse preservation. Bob is the author of several books and many articles on lighthouses and maritime history and lore, and he's an accomplished photographer. Bob also joined the Coast Guard Auxiliary in Cape May, New Jersey in 1998 and started training to become a certified aids-to-navigation technician. Since moving to Maine in 2005, he's been working with the Coast Guard aids to navigation teams on the Maine coast, servicing the lighthouses, buoys, and other aids to navigation. As Associate Director of the American Lighthouse Foundation, Anne Trapani is involved in many aspects of the organization's operation. Among other things, she does bookkeeping, manages the gift shop at Owl's Head and the online shop, designs promotional materials, and manages the organization's website. She's also illustrated a new Maine Lighthouse coloring and activity book for kids. Bob and Ann's son, Dominic, at the age of 23, has already established himself as one of the top photographers on the Maine coast. His new book, Lighthouses of Maine, A Photographic Journey, is available at momentsinmaine.com, along with other books and items created by the Trapani family. I spoke with Dominic, Ann, and Bob via Zoom on New Year's Eve. Let's listen to that conversation now. 
speaking today with Bob, Anne, and Dominic Trapani uh, of the famous Lighthouse Trapanis. Of course, uh, Bob is the executive director of the American Lighthouse Foundation. He's also a certified lighthouse technician for the Coast Guard. Anne is the associate director of the American Lighthouse Foundation, which basically means she does uh, some of everything. I think that pretty much describes your job, Anne. That pretty much describes it, yeah. Okay. And Dominic, in his own right, is one of the leading photographers of lighthouses and other subjects on the main coast. Uh, he actually has a recent book out. Maybe we can talk about that, too. So thanks for being with me so much, Anne, Bob, and Dominic. Thank you, Jeremy. Good to be here. Yeah, no problem. And since we're recording this on New Year's Eve, I want to wish you all a very happy New Year. Yeah, thank you. Let's hope it's a bright one here. I'm, I'm extremely hopeful about it. I think it's going to be a good one. First of all, Bob, I want to talk a little bit about the, the history of the place, uh, the history of Owl's Head, the, the place itself, and the, the lighthouse. There's some famous legends, especially a couple of famous legends related to Owl's Head, and I want to touch on those. The first one is the story of the so-called frozen couple of Owl's Head. I know you and I have chatted about this over the years. I've written about it in a couple of books. In 1850, December, actually a couple of days before Christmas, December 22nd, 1850, there was a schooner that was anchored at Jameson Point across the harbor to the, the north of Owl's Head across uh, Rockland, the mouth of Rockland Harbor. And there was a big snowstorm on this particular night. There were three people on the boat. The captain was gone for some reason. And there were two crewmen and the, the uh, fiance of one of those men. And as the storm intensified, the story is that one of the crewmen wrapped the other two people in a comforter uh, to keep them warm on the deck of the schooner. And as the storm uh, kept raging, uh, basically ice was formed around them. So they were uh, encased in a block of ice. And the schooner parted anchor in the storm and was swept across to uh, the area around Owlset and went up on the rocks. The uh, crewman, the one who was not encased in ice, went to find help. He found the keeper of Owlset Lighthouse. They organized a, like a rescue party and went aboard and managed to get the, uh, the frozen block of ice off the schooner with the two people. And it thawed it out. They were revived and survived and lived happily ever after. So the story goes. And I'm just wondering if you have any take on that. Well, the story did happen. Uh, you can question some of the account, and I do. Um, but I do know what happened. And the uh, I know one of our volunteers at the Lighthouse, Allison Light, is uh, Linda Strout. And she's related to uh, one of the people that were on there. So um, this is part of her family history. So we know it did. Uh, and, and we've talked about this, Jeremy. My question was, if you if you know how Alshead is laid out in, in Rockland Harbor, if the ship parts anchor at Jamison Point, you presume at that point a northwest wind is driving it out into the bay. And the way the story, at least the way I interpret the story, is, is that somehow this ship wrecked on the south side of Alshead, um, in Alshead Bay area there. And that just, to me, that doesn't seem possible that if it was going to wreck it with that wind driving it out into the bay, it would have wrecked it on the northwest side of the uh, the uh, beach there. So it's 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 interesting. It has if you didn't know that, you probably wouldn't question that at all. But there is there is some question, that, you know, and I think it maybe has something to do with the original news report that would have come out about that in uh, the Rockland paper in the 1850 time period. So um, and it's funny how some of those things just get perpetuated. But so there is a question there. But the story's happened. And uh, people love it. Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, in agreement with you that the basic story happened, but some of the details we're not quite sure about. Because, you know, really, truly, if that if that wind was blowing that ship out of the harbor, mm -hmm. in theory, then that should have ended up somewhere near Vinyl Haven. You know, it would have come, it would have went right across the bay if it was blowing in that direction. So it's interesting. Yeah. So another very famous story that a lot of people associate with Owlshead Lighthouse is the story of Spot, the dog, who was there in the 1930s. The keeper at the time was Augustus or Gus Hammer, H-A-M-O-R. And he had a daughter named Pauline. I think I'm remembering that right. And uh, they had a dog named Spot. And uh, he's described as a Springer Spaniel. And correct me if I'm wrong about this, Bob. For one thing, I believe he was one of the dogs that supposedly learned how to sound the fog bell, right, by, by pulling the, the rope. Is that, he did. I, are, the story yeah. goes. Yeah. yeah, there were a few dogs, one at Wood Island, Lighthouse in Maine. And uh, yeah, uh, Nemo at Heron Neck. 
Yeah, Nemo at Heron Neck. There were a few uh, what I like to call fog dogs in Maine. Yes. And Spot was uh, maybe the most famous of them all. But the story that is most often told about Spot is that one time during a, a snowstorm, uh, there's variations on this. But the way I've, I think I've usually uh, seen the story is that there was a snowstorm. Spot was asleep inside the house, but woke up and was very agitated, wanted to be let outside. The keeper or somebody in the family let the dog out. He ran out on the rocks and was barking furiously, you know, as loud as he could. And uh, it turned out that the, the Matinicus mailboat was uh, going by at that time and was basically lost in, the, in this uh, snowstorm. And the captain said later that it was hearing the barking of Spot that alerted him to the fact that he was close to the rocks and he was able to steer away from the rocks thanks to Spot. So Spot was a hero dog. Uh, our friend, mutual friend, Angelie Perro wrote a children's book, Lighthouse Dog to the Rescue. So it's a, a very famous story. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, another great story and young and old alike like this story. They love it. But with this story comes some interesting things too as well. We have uh, relatives in the outside community that were related to, are related to uh, Captain Stuart Ames, who was the captain of the mailboat. And their family history tells a different story, as you can imagine. And one of those is, is that... Um, the captain was running behind and the captain's wife did call over to the keeper at Al's Headlight to see if uh, there was any sight or sound. But um, if you think about this one, too, and, and I've discussed this with their uh, captain's relatives, is, is if you got a raging snowstorm and, you know, it's coming out of the northeast. Uh, in number one, uh, that pilot house is going to be well buttoned up because, you know, you've got seas that are breaking over the boat and things of that nature. So, and you've got the sound of the engines on this boat and the howl of the wind. So anybody who's been out on the, I mean, I have been out on the water, obviously not those kind of conditions, but I've been out on the water where it's been windy and what have you. And you, you've got an onshore wind, you're not going to hear, you, you know, on those conditions mm -hmm. at times. So the way they tell the story is, is that, yes, yeah, Spot was left out. He was indeed barking, but that wasn't really the element that saved the, uh, the mail boat. Because in some senses, the relatives take exception to the fact that the captain would not have had a seaworthy skills to know he was that close to Al's head anyway, uh, which I can understand. He was a good captain. What I think happened with that story is that Spot, with his keen hearing, heard the boat's engines and barked. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that alerted Keeper Hammer that, hey, the boat's out there. And, uh, and they were able to call over to Mrs. Ames and say, yeah, he's coming around Al's head, you know. You can speculate whether or not the captain may or may not have heard Spot's barking and, and uh, of that nature. But um, either way, uh, Spot was involved in a story that is has gone down in history as one of our favorites in lighthouses. And uh, we give him his due. And uh, even at the site, there is a uh, Paul and Mary Ellen Dildrip. You remember, place that stone in memory of Spot. Yeah. Right? It's a walkway. So everybody who comes to the lighthouse sees this Spot, the dog. And uh, they want to know more about him. And it's just a great yeah. story. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is definitely a great story. You know, I was there for the dedication of that marker. Uh, the Dilders had like a, held like a party for that. And I was just looking online. There's a, a number of places where people say this is the grave of uh, the gravestone of Spot mm -hmm. the Dog. Of course, it isn't. He's not buried there. It's just meant to commemorate, to memorialize him. Yeah. Uh, the story that he's buried out, out by the location of the old Fogbell Tower. That's right. what I did. Yeah. And you have a clear idea where that fog bell tower was? I I believe it or not, I know you'll believe this. I did scale the south side rocks there and did find exactly the foundation. The bricks are still there. <laughs> okay. Probably something you would not recommend that visitors do when they visit. Never. There. <laughs> <laughs> not something I'm gonna do either, but you would you would do it. I believe that. Just uh, to finish up with this subject, Bob, are there any other human interest type stories about the history of Owlset Lighthouse that kind of stand out for you? I think one of the neat human interest stories is not really so much a, a legend or what have you, but uh, when Keeper Maddox uh, recorded one year having counted 20,000 vessels going by Owlset Light. And I try to think about that and I'm like, man, literally counting, making these marks. I could just envision, you know, all these slash marks and then counting all those slash marks up. I'm like, oh my goodness. But um, when you read that in the uh, Lighthouse Service reports or the uh, Lighthouse Board reports at the time, 
that's pretty amazing to tell you the kind of traffic uh, that was going in and around Rockland there, or Penobscot Bay, and how alert the keeper was, or how bored. I'm not sure, but <laughs> to be able to count all those vessels was pretty cool. Well, it was actually required for a while, but they were supposed to count the, the vessels passing in daylight hours. And I understand sometimes family members, like a son or daughter, might have that uh, duty. But uh, yeah, that's an average of 20,000 in a year. That's an average of like 55 a day. And most of those were large uh, schooners and other freight carrying vessels, I'm sure. That is pretty Yeah, amazing. we had the lime industry in Rockland. So yeah, that would have been booming. So absolutely. Yeah. So when Gianna's bored, have her count vessels when she's there. <laughs> okay. Uh, just to clarify, <laughs> clarify for, for listeners, Sam just uh, mentioned that your daughter, uh, Gianna, your youngest of four, she might be a little young for that at this point, or maybe not. I haven't seen her in a while. How old is Gianna now? She's six and a half now. And I'm sure she can count really well by now. She can count really well. She can add. So she'd be all set for the job, but she loves actually Owl's Head Lighthouse is her favorite. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I, I'm glad to hear that. And she's uh, been, to, been to enough others to, I think, decide. So, yeah, it's her favorite, yeah. right? I'm sure she's spent to a bunch already. I know you had certainly seen a zillion by the time you were that age, Dominic. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, Yeah. I don't know if I can say exactly how many years I've known you guys, but it's been more than 20 now, I believe. You're what? How old are you now, Dominic? I'm 23. 23? Yes. Yeah. So you were maybe three or three-ish or something like that when I first first met you. And uh, I remember you in the car seat visiting lighthouses. I, I shouldn't be <laughs> mentioning that in, in front of you, Dominic, but... Um, you, all the trepanis are indoctrinated at a young age, for sure. But let me ask a, a question of all of you. What has it been like uh, for you uh, over these last 10 years, watching all the different kinds of weather when you're there at Owl's Head, changes in the seasons there? Uh, just any thoughts on that? I hide inside and watch the pretty views out the window. And it is beautiful in the summertime, though, because it's not hot. It's just you get this nice breeze. And even if it's a hot morning, by 12 o'clock in the afternoon, you've got this nice breeze come off the, the water and it's it's perfect most of the time. Every now and then it's a little nasty, but. I think one of the uh, most interesting facts, if you stay there long enough, you'll come to see that almost every day in the summertime, you always end up with a southwest wind coming up uh, the Muscle Ridge every day, probably blowing like 10 miles an hour, 10, 15 and it's just like every day <laughs> mm -hmm. without fail. Yeah, that's one of the, when I think about being at Alset, I think of a, a, a breeze as being a, it's, pretty it's much awesome. a standard. It's part. When it's like it's 75 degrees, it's like, this is the most perfect place to be right now. Because it'll be 85 back in Rockland. And it's like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Now, Bob, you're uh, probably outside the most of, of all of you in the bad bad weather. And you've you've posted a lot of photographs taken often from the lantern room of the lighthouse during storms and things like that. Any uh, particular times that kind of stand out in your memory along those lines? Probably a January or February day when the temperatures are in the single digits and the wind is blowing 25 to 35 knots, so your wind chills are well below zero and you can't find a lee. The wind just finds you and it hurts. And, you know, it, to me, that's, that's awesome. I think it reminds me of why the keepers probably appreciated the fact that at one time there was a covered walkway to go up to the lighthouse, uh, which no longer exists, of course. But there, too, with Faust Head being about on that 80 foot bluff and you get a 100 foot focal plane for the light. So you have some elevation despite this short, stout tower. And, yeah. uh, and then also the elevation allows you to watch weather systems approaching, especially from the west, northwest. Uh, particularly in the summertime when you get the, uh, the big thunderstorms to come across. Uh, so that can be uh, awesome and frightening at the same time. <laughs> it's just amazing to watch the shell clouds come in. But I think uh, winter is by far my favorite time there just because of um, the complete solitude. You just, uh, you're by yourself. Uh, once in a while, you run into a hardy soul who's out there. You know, they might be... Um, with their snowshoes on or just uh, they're just looking for a nice winter hike but most of the time it's just me out there and yeah it's cold and it's beautiful at the same time so uh if it's snowed it's 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 great to watch all of the uh spruce and pine trees covered 
But then also to watch that sea, that sea's changing. If you get the Arctic sea smoke on one of those cold mornings and that sea smoke is dancing and then when the sun starts to rise and it, and it throws that golden light backlit, uh, that's just, that's magical. It really is. Yeah. Sometimes I'll walk on the south side uh, where almost nobody will ever walk when it's low tide. And to be down there and watch all the rockweed uh, frozen stiff, you know, like rockweed is so slippery. But when you walk on it in the wintertime, it's like wire almost. You can just stand on it. Uh, yeah. And the rock's all covered in ice. You really get a sense. And there I go back to that frozen lover story because I'm thinking to myself, my goodness gracious, this is now. And I've been down there in snowstorms, but you know, I couldn't imagine trying to get myself out of uh, that situation. And then across not just rocks, because I, you know, something like that where the ship would have wrecked wherever it was. You know, it didn't get that thrown up onto the rocks. There probably was some water between it. So you're wading through that. And if, if anybody's been in cold water in the wintertime, that's just awful. So, but yeah, the weather's harsh and, and just amazing at the same time. And I think any lighthouse could probably say that. Um, but Alice has got its own little, um, what I like to call microclimate. Uh, we even find that in summertime where people come in, as Dominic was saying, it's, it's really hot in Rockland. And they get out there and it's at least 10, sometimes 15 degrees cold. They're actually cold. Or, or the fog is only at altitude. They say, well, we, geez, we came from Rockland. It was nice blue skies. We get out here and it's nothing but fog. And it's, it's yeah. just because Altshead sits out in the bay and literally it's, sometimes it's got its own weather. And sometimes yeah. that's so small of a window. It's literally from the parking lot to the light station itself will, will be that different. When you say how beautiful the winter is, I think of uh, that walk from the the parking area to the lighthouse, and as you come through the gate there and walk near the keeper's house, that that view with the the house uh, on the left and looking through the trees at the lighthouse when it's covered all covered with snow, that is a, a really really pretty picture. Yeah, it's one of those quintessential Maine winter looking scenes at that point. I know there's a couple of lighthouses again that could rival that for sure, but that is one of them for sure. So it sounds like summer is your favorite time, though, Anne, right? Absolutely. I, well, well, I can't say that. Being mm -hmm. outside, it is my favorite. Being able to enjoy yeah. walking around and exploring. Yeah. But wintertime is breathtakingly beautiful. I mean, it when it snows there and you're just looking out and you're watching the snow falling and you see the light and the lantern and up through the pine trees, which are getting, you know, kind of sprinkled with the snow. It, it's worth the cold. Mm -hmm. You spoke of the lantern, Jeremy. There's, there, that's a really cool experience. You can go up and you'll know which direction the snow is coming because it usually blots out the panes, at least three of them, whichever direction that's coming from. So the snow will accumulate, the light's not getting out. And every time I think, geez, the keeper would have been out there, required to be out there and cleaning that snow off that so the light could be seen. Though I laughed at that because in such weather, the light was not going to be seen very far, but it, that was the requirement. Uh, and being out there a couple times on the catwalk, which we do not allow the public, but having been out there sometimes in the winter, you really got to hold on like any lighthouse. If that wind's blowing 40, 45 knots, you feel like it blow, wants to blow you right off the top of the lighthouse. And that's not a very, that's a very narrow walkway. Um, fog's another one though, Jeremy. You know, when you watch that roll in, it's one thing when there's fog everywhere and it just looks like this gray, misty mantle. But one of the things there is when you see these fog banks start rolling in from the Atlantic and they start coming up the bay, it's literally like a galloping march. It's just, it just seems like it's falling on top of the cascading and it's coming towards you. And that's pretty crazy. And it's never really quite the same. And then there's these misty lace fogs. I remember you and I, one year we're out there yeah. and the sun came out. The sun goes through. And it. the rays the were going through this fog and the trees. And it was just, it was magical. Yeah. But, but I have not seen it since. No. You no. know, so sometimes you get one amazing experience and you say, I may never see that again. And that's what makes them cool. Bob, you did a book on Rockland Breakwater Light through the seasons, Rockland Breakwater Lighthouse being just uh, to the north across uh, the mouth of the harbor there. And uh, that book came out fairly recently, right, Bob? That did. Um, yes, it did. Probably. Working on the same same concept for Alshead. Oh, I'm really glad to hear it. Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't aware of this. When when yeah. might we expect that, do you think? Well, I know Anne's hoping it's done by... Uh, hoping it's done by the season. Yeah, by spring. <laughs> <laughs> So I've got my work cut out for me, but it's doable. Yeah. Oh, great. That's that's really good news. And uh, Dominic, as I mentioned earlier, you put out a, a book not long ago of your lighthouse photography. It's all yes. main lighthouses, right? What's the title of that book, Dominic? 
uh, it's Lighthouses of Maine, a photographic journey. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was really fun. That was about four years worth of work going around to uh, every single lighthouse in the state. And uh, all throughout all the seasons, obviously, there's not each lighthouse during every season, but there's winter pictures, there's summer, fall, spring. So, yeah, that was a really fun project to work on. Well, anybody who uh, is uh, friends with you on Facebook or looks at uh, the v- different Facebook pages you guys are involved with has uh, certainly admired your work, both, all three of you, really. But uh, Dominic, you've uh, quickly become known as, I think, as one of the best photographers uh, of that area, for sure. Just to, to fill in, how, how can people get those books, uh, your, your book, Bob, and, and Dominic's book? How can people find those? You can go to Moments in Maine. Dot com mm-hmm. and you'll be able to find that and uh, some other things too as well other things that may relate to uh, members of the trapani family as well like uh like ann's latest coloring and activity book yeah so yeah no there's some lighthouse stuff there. there's there's been calendars there'll be more um but if you love main lighthouses there may be something for you there photography yeah. yeah moments in maine.com and those books are available in the gift shop at al said right yes 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 they are Yep. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the gift shop, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful little shop. You know, I love visiting there. Of course, I visit there usually at least once a season. And I always like seeing, you know, what's the what is the latest you've done uh, there as far as new products and displays and everything. And you just do a, a great job, Anne, with the whole presentation there at the gift shop. Well, thank and, you. Uh, you're very welcome. It's been uh, very successful, I think. I'm wondering how you kind of approach that, have approached it over the years. Do you have certain strategies that you employ to, as far as the displays so, go, ways to attract people, that kind of thing? Yeah, ways to attract people. Um, there's always the standard things that you you know you you kind of get to know what people are looking for. What there's different types of visitors. You know, some want the classic souvenir kind of things, the magnets, the the keychains, the bumper stickers, the you know, those kind of things that feature that lighthouse, a mug, um, t-shirt, that kind of thing. And then you have the other visitors who, who are looking for that something special that reminds them of where they've been, but they don't necessarily need the magnet for their fridge or anything like that. They're looking for something a little different. So we try to find some of those unique things that are lighthouse related, um, ideally that feature Owl's Head Lighthouse or some of the other nearby ones or some of our other ALF projects. I'll look for things like that. And uh, trying to allow them to take something special home from Owl's Head, commemorating their visit, but allowing them to have something that maybe sits on their coffee table or, um, or is a gift they can give to somebody that, you know, was with them or something. And there's all sorts of things that people pick up that, you know, kind of match that, but it reminds them of being at Owl's Head. It's a challenge. It's a small shop. So it's <laughs> so you're trying to see what will fit, how you'll display it, how it will work with other products and uh, and then freshening it up every year, too. So, you know, even those classic magnets and mugs and stuff like that, we try to vary it up each year to year so that the visitors who are returning have something new to take home. Some very unique nautical items, too, as you know, Jeremy. Yeah. So. It's part of that, that not everybody, they're visiting a lighthouse, but some people, they just like to see a little bit more or, yeah. or some uh, coastal main aspects. So we offer a little bit of that as well. And yeah, I know Anne is my wife, but I would say this regardless. I think she really has a talent for making a beautiful shop and people come in and that's part of it right there is they're, they're really happy to see such a well-presented gift selection. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. And uh, anybody visiting uh, the mid coast of Maine needs to to get there. Even if I think most people listening to this podcast are lighthouse buffs, but even if they weren't, I'd recommend they they go for the the shop and the interpretive center there. Another thing you have uh, in the shop, since we mentioned Spot the Dog, I know of course you sell the children's book by Angelie Perro, Lighthouse Dog to the yeah. Rescue. Yeah. Do you still have the package deal where you can get a a, a little uh, stuffed animal, a dog uh, representing we Spot? Well, do. Have, we do have a spot back. Spot has gone through a couple changes over the years and we do, I don't have it as a package deal right now, but it is going to be a winter special. Um, so we are going to have, it is on, both of them are online. We have a, a stuffed spot and he wears a bandana that says spot the lighthouse dog. And mm-hmm. um, then we have the book and they are two separate items right now, but we are going to run a special with the, the package deal this winter. You know, what's great uh-huh. though, Jerry, that, that book sells awesome 
But when you see Angelique Perot there, she usually is there once a year, like Main Open Lighthouse Day or what have you. Man, the people just love it. The, the grandparents, the parents, they just, they want to take the children to go meet her, get the book signed, of course. But we just, uh, that, that book is, uh, that book is doing a lot to uh, help young people get introduced to lighthouses. Yeah. And it's always I, neat to see people come in who have read the book as a kid. Oh, I've read that book as a kid. It's a great book. And then they buy it for the next generation. And so that's kind of yeah. neat seeing that now. And that's, that's fun. Yeah. I consider it one of the classics uh, of uh, lighthouse children's literature for sure. And Angelie's been on this podcast and she and I have done a couple of events together and she, uh, she does a great job. Uh, so speaking of the interpretive center in the house, Bob, obviously you uh, have pretty much designed that over the years and uh, it's largely, it's uh, it's partly about the lighthouse and lighthouses in general. It's also about aids to navigation kind of in the broader sense. What has gone into your thinking as you've created that interpretive center? I think the number one driving force was that the Coast Guard tends to get, I would say, not forgotten, but shortchanged sometimes when it comes to the lighthouse history. And I, and I get that because, uh, you know, basically automation happened under their watch and lighthouses became, you know, less romantic, you might say, under the Coast Guard era just because of technology. But so the idea was that the light is still in the lighthouse, the foghorns where they are still sound and people still take care of these things, albeit on a schedule, but they take care of them and they respond when they're discrepant. So uh, the idea was let's, let's show people um, a little bit of what the Coast Guard is doing today to keep these lighthouses shining and sounding. And in a sense, that much more relevant. They're relevant to us who love them. But for those who may not be as uh, much of a lighthouse enthusiast as we might be, uh, if a lighthouse is not active, uh, there's just a little something more missing from it. So as long as that light is shining and that horn is sounding, uh, it says these places matter that much more. And, uh, you know, I, so I think the Coast Guard deserves uh, a lot of recognition, actually, for the work they've done. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to tell people it's not their fault that automation was coming. Actually, automation was coming under uh, Commissioner Putnam all the way in the 20s. It's just right. that as technology kept moving along, the Coast Guard, and actually the Coast Guard deserves credit in a lot of ways for modernizing uh, a lot of living conditions at these, uh, especially offshore sites over the years. In the 50s, they spent a lot of money trying to upgrade, put heating systems in, indoor plumbing, and, and those types of things. So that went into that. I will say that we are contemplating not changing that out at all, but switching certain things around to where we have an element of that. But that uh, one of the new exhibits we're trying to plan this year is how lighthouses inspire, you know, where they, you know, they, they mean so much to us beyond their utility. So, you know, how many people paint them, you know, they, they write poetry, they, they do a lot of deep thinking that yes, songs, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Lighthouses just inspire. So we're going to capture a little bit of that and um, definitely going to enhance the overall interpretation of house headlight itself so that people are learning even more than what they've been able to learn in the past. So you'll see some new things. Sounds good to me. The lighthouse tower itself has been opened uh, for years on, on certain days during the season, spring to through fall. The last couple of years has, have obviously been tough due to the pandemic. How did it go this past year? Actually, it was uh, still pretty tough. We were closed <laughs> all of 2020, and you might as well say we were mostly closed for 2021. We did have a couple of days where we opened the tower. One, uh, when you were leading the U.S. Lighthouse Society tour there in Maine back in October, we had it open that day for you guys, uh, and we opened it on Maine Open Lighthouse Day, um, but it was a struggle. We barely could get enough volunteers for Maine Open Lighthouse Day because people still have uh, health and safety concerns. And one of the biggest concerns was they were okay with being outside, a lot of volunteers, but the concept of being in a lantern uh, was a little, a little uh, much for some of the folks. So it, it was just like, okay, we couldn't staff all the days that we would typically do. And it was just, it was just better to let people continue to, to go at their pace and when they're ready. So hopefully... Yeah. Uh, here in 2022, we'll get a, um, even if it's a limited, we'll get a, a dedicated limited schedule. If not, hopefully get closer back to normal here this coming year, because we all love it. It, um, it generates a lot of it, enthusiasm more than if you could just see it. And I think it trickles down. And I think you even see it in, in a gift shop where people have gone up in that tower and had that experience of seeing that lens up close and then getting the views. 
people are that much more excited, come back down to the gift shop and that much more wanting to take something home with them. Yep, so they are. So the uh, experience of getting in the lighthouse is extremely important to our preservation efforts. Well, I think it's important to uh, lighthouse buffs in general. I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this podcast feel that way, that getting in in a lighthouse, climbing uh, to the top of a lighthouse is always special. And that's that's a really special place, uh, fantastic views and everything. And you do have one of the bigger lantern rooms of any lighthouse. It, it kind of It's kind of like a, you would think a first order lens might have been in there at one time, but it's just uh, it's a beautiful fourth order Fresnel lens you still have in there, but it doesn't take up that much space in that gigantic lantern room there. No, it's a uh, it's, uh, lantern is similar to, uh, as you know, Jeremy, Whitehead in Monhegan. And I guess they classify that as a three and a half order lantern, if I'm correct. And although it never had a lens that large, obviously, but Whitehead certainly had a third order Fresnel lens. Yep. I don't know why it got that type of lantern, maybe because it was a squat tower. I don't know what, but, but we're taking full advantage because we can usually get the volunteer and up to eight people inside that lantern comfortably outside of the current health situation, but normally right. speaking. So that's awesome. Although it's funny, like, I got to take a quick story. And I know you know this, but I got to tell you, your audience is, is that we usually have a built-in ability to um, make sure the crowds keep moving at Owlshead in the summertime because that lantern with its thousand watt lamp gets so hot that when people get up there, some people are literally after 30 seconds like, I can't stand it. It's so hot up there. <laughs> we never have to worry about people taking too long in the lines. <laughs> it's like most yeah. people want to get down and get air. So they get that view, they get to see the lens and it's like, okay, let the next person up. Yeah, well, it does get a little warm up there in the summer, but it's worth, worth being up there for a few minutes. Uh, I've been in that lantern room many, many times over these the years. I really love it. Uh, so talking about having uh, some issues with volunteers, that's that's uh, for obvious reasons in the last couple of years. But in general, are you looking for volunteers to help with the tower tours? If people happen to be listening who might live within a, a not too long a drive of uh, Midcoast, Maine? Always looking for volunteers. I think that's an ongoing. We are blessed, though, that we have uh, we have some community folks who are good at spreading the word. It doesn't mean they're always successful in attracting them, but we seem to get a few new ones every year, mm -hmm. people who live in it. And sometimes they're summer residents. They come just for the summer and they want something to do. And we have a few people that are thankfully not afraid to ask and say, hey, look, what are you doing today? You want to come yeah. help me at the lighthouse? And uh, so, yeah, under normal conditions, uh, though, we have always, I think everybody has a challenge from time to time with volunteers. Normally, we wouldn't be in that bad of a place because we do have people who like to talk the project up. But yeah, I mean, yeah, these last two years have been very strange and um, we're hoping that this abnormal time will pass sooner than later. So if people want to find out more about volunteering, if they want to contact you about that, obviously they can look on the uh, American Lighthouse Foundation website for contact information, lighthousefoundation.org. I hope maybe somebody listening might be interested in that. Dominic, I meant to ask you before when we we're talking about photography, do you have a favorite angle or favorite uh, spot on the grounds? Uh, uh, I'm not talking about spot the dog, but a favorite place on the <laughs> grounds uh, that you like as a vantage point? Uh, any particular views you like? Well, if you want to talk about views of Howl's Head, it's not on the grounds, but absolutely the best view. And I think it's arguably one of the best lighthouse views in the state, for sure, is if you get on a boat on the south side and you can look at the bluff with the little light station and then pan north towards the Camden Hills, that is a view you just cannot be anywhere. That being said, there is, I mean, if you're up there and you look around, you almost can't find a bad view <laughs> at a place like that. But I would say if you uh, go up to the tower and you, there's a little viewing platform right off to the side and you can get from there a beautiful panoramic view of the, uh, the bay looking out towards Final Haven, and uh, that's just a spectacular spot. So yeah, mm -hmm. I would say that would that would be it. You know, yeah. it's funny, Jeremy, when you talk about photography of that site because I kind of liken it a little bit to Bass Harbor Head. Beautiful, um, but man, so, you know, a lot of our great photographers that come to the site will voice the fact that this is a hard lighthouse to photograph because you're pretty much right on top of it, and you got this fifty-three staircase, fifty-three step staircase that goes up to the top. There's not a lot of vantage points and people, of course, can't go out on the bluff. So, um, yeah, it can be a challenge. I think sometimes the, some of the best views from the ground are actually by the keeper's house when you're looking up at, at the lighthouse. 
where you can frame it with the trees and, and what have you. I think that's probably the best at the station. But yeah, Dominic's right. That south side is uh, unbeatable. It's part of the reason why it's, it's uh, as, as challenging it is to go down to the south side of the beach. That can be at times uh, the next best thing, especially in a winter storm when the snow is all over the ground. So, um, but it is funny, such a beautiful station. It's so hard to photograph. Yeah, I agree totally with both of you. The, I think the best views are from the water. And over the years, over the 30-something years I've been photographing it, definitely my my best, personally, my best photos are from from boats passing by. There's something really, uh, really special about that. I agree with you, Dominic. It's one of the best lighthouse scenes in Maine, for sure. Absolutely. Right so, you know, Jeremy, with that, though, even on the south side, what we found, and, you know, you can go out with, uh, and you know this, is the Bar Harbor Whale Watch with their, they're big boats. The elevation those boats provide for photography uh, is awesome. But then if you went, say, with somebody like uh, Camden Harbor Cruises out of Camden Harbor, when they do their Sunday cruises past the last, now you're very low on the water. So now that changes the perspective on the south side. So there's actually even, you know, there's even perspectives within perspectives, layers, depending on your uh, vantage point from uh, mm-hmm. that, that area. Yeah. So, Bob, you just mentioned uh, Camden Harbor Cruises. Our friends uh, Dominic and Liz there have been on, on board with them a couple of times. So that is probably one of the best ways for people to get out in a boat and photograph the lighthouse. It's every Sunday, did you say, they do uh, local lighthouse every cruises? Sunday during the summer, uh, you usually see a few lighthouses. You'll see uh, Brown's Head, Powell's Head, Rockland, Breakwater, Curtis Island, and Indian Island. Yeah. And that's aboard the old Lively Lady that's been in that area for, for quite a few years. I've uh, gone back to the, the 90s. I've been on it many times. So just want to recommend that as a way for people to see the lighthouse, Camden Harbor Cruises. Let me ask you, this is another question for all of you. You can, again, you can all take turns answering it or however you want to do this. You can fight amongst yourselves. But about the community of Owl's Head in general, what is special to you about Owl's Head? Like many lighthouses off the beaten path, the community of Owlshead is uh, very special, close-knit. And one of the things they love the most, of course, they're very proud of their lighthouse. They only have one. And uh, it's, uh, it's a very important historic site to the community. Uh, as you can imagine, it's on logos and literature and things of that nature that the town places out for the public. Um, and it's just something that, you know, I think everybody in the community who lives there, when they've got relatives and friends that come in to visit during the summer, it's a must that they take them over to there. Uh, We also find, though, that a lot of people will walk their dogs every day up to the lighthouse. It's almost like a uh, it's it's something they have to do. Um, Others will take walks for exercise. They must walk all the way up to the top of the lighthouse every day and come back down. So the lighthouse uh, means something different to those folks. They may not even be lighthouse people, but they they love that place. It just means something to them, and it connects with them in the community where they live. So if people are visiting the lighthouse in Alsed, they if they have time, they they want to see the uh, the Alsed Transportation Museum, which is a pretty amazing place. By all uh, means, yeah, one of the the best collection of antique cars and planes that I've ever seen. Uh, really worth visiting. There's some great museums in Rockland too, of course, including the Maine Lighthouse Museum and the Farnsworth Museum. So there's a lot to see around there. And also you get that beautiful little harbor there at Owl's Head. Uh, I was there a few years ago giving a tour for, for a couple of people and the, the man was a photographer and really wanted to see the lighthouse at sunrise. You might remember this. We went to the lighthouse at sunrise, but it was fogged in. You could barely see the lighthouse from you know 50 feet away. But we went to the harbor area as the sun was rising and the guys were already going out, you know, in their lobster boats and it provided some beautiful photo ops uh, that morning. So uh, I think that's one of the prettiest little harbors in Maine, actually. Oh, it is. It's uh, between the uh, ship to shore wharf there, which is that classic wharf and then the Alshead Lobster Company on the other side. Uh, And all those lobster boats tucked in so snugly in the harbor there with the spruce trees as a backdrop. Uh, when that snows in the wintertime, that is just simply gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think another thing that's is really cool that we're all excited in the community about is last year, the uh, Owlshead General Store reopened. So that oh, yeah. napkin burger. And, and just as importantly, they uh, they really support and promote the fact that the lighthouse is there and to please go visit that. So uh, nice ambassadors there at the Owlshead General Store. It's exciting. It, it's brought even more lifeblood back into the uh, little village down there. 
Yeah. Well, that's great to hear because that, uh, that was always one of the best places to stop when you're in that area for a sandwich or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's great. a great thing. You can pick up a sandwich on your way in, sit at the park picnic tables in the park and eat your lunch and then walk on out to the lake house. I can't imagine a better day than that. So there's also, uh, as there is a for most uh, lighthouse sites on, on the coast of Maine or almost anywhere, really, but you've got unique wildlife there. Uh, anybody like to comment on the types of wildlife you might see there? We've had eagles, we've had deer, turkeys, a porcupine. There is a porcupine who likes to eat the apples in the trees come the fall. Oh. And that's a character to watch. <laughs> One day he kind of waddled up the hill. Yeah, I think he had eaten so many apples. But um, let's see. Of course, the classic squirrels and different all sorts of types of birds. And Red ducks. fox. Red fox. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the red fox will be brave sometimes, and they'll just sit on the walkways. That's pretty. And that's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, mm -hmm. healthy one. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the eagles, and depending on what you think of squirrels, it may or may not be funny, but. With the eagles that have now nested in the park are really good squirrel hunters. So the squirrels mm -hmm. like to get in the keeper's house a lot in the attic. And uh, the eagles have become our friends because they, <laughs> they have reduced that a lot. So, They're hoping. Yeah. You know what we don't see? Uh, we yeah. don't see seals. We really don't. Like in Rockland Breakwater, you, at low tide, you're bound to see, you know, half a dozen seals yeah, sunning the yeah. rocks. No matter the tide at outside, you rarely see a seal. And the only time we see the uh, gray harbor seals, or the gray seals, I should say, are um, a lot of times when the mackerel are in schools and they're jumping mm -hmm. around in the water off the lighthouse, then you'll see the seals. But I am surprised that at low tide on the rocks, you rarely ever see a seal, which is odd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all the times I've been there, I don't remember seeing any seals there, but I have certainly seen seals at Rockland Breakwater. I concur. Um, I don't know if uh, anybody finds this funny, but uh, I do know. Like maybe five times a day, you'll get this question if you stand around people long enough. There's this one tree on the back side of the uh, lighthouse that has oddly shaped. It has this big ball of pine needles all the top. And like I said, about five times a day, you'll get somebody to say, oh, look, there's an eagle's nest over there. And you have to tell them, no, actually, we do have eagles here, but sadly, that's not their nest. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Right? Yeah. Every day you get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was on a cruise not that long ago where I thought I saw an eagle nest and it was something like that. It was just a certain cluster of branches or whatever. And I was uh, talked out of the idea that that was a, an eagle's <laughs> nest. So I, I can understand how people can get that sort of idea. Now, it's if you go at low tide and you start walking, Jeremy, occasionally you will find starfish, um, mm -hmm. especially closer to the bluff. Uh, you'll find starfish in the uh, lowest parts of that tide. So, uh, yeah, if, if, you, if you linger enough, you, you never know what you're going to see. I think, again, you, a lot of lighthouses claim that, but just being there, we see yeah. that. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've got it's, it's, its own uh, ecosystem there. You've got a lot going on there for sure. So you guys live in Camden, uh, which is uh, not, not far from there, a little bit north. Uh, one of the prettiest harbors in New England, maybe anywhere. I think it may be my favorite harbor anywhere, Camden Harbor. Uh, what's special to you guys about Camden and the, let's say the Penobscot Bay region in general? Well, I think one of the uh, most amazing and interesting facts that go along, not just with Camden, but Penobscot Bay, it applies to both, is the uh, historic schooners that you'll see, both sailing the bay, they come out of Rockland, but we have about five here in Camden. And uh, it's just an amazing sight to see with them parked in the harbor. They wrap up in the winter, but all year round, it's just, they're just really cool to see. Dominic's right. I mean, they, they harken back to another time. I think, yeah. you know, if you're a lighthouse buff and you can try to imagine in your mind is these sailing vessels. Well, in Penobscot Bay, you don't have to imagine. You actually see them. And some yeah. of these schooners are as old like the Stephen Tabor and the Louis R. French. Uh, I believe they're both around the 1871 time period built. Um, so when you see them dotting Penobscot Bay with all the islands, um, whether you love lighthouses or not, that's just an unforgettable scene. Uh, and I agree with you about Camden Harbor. I mean, that to me, I think one of the charms of Camden Harbor is the fact that you can get so up close and personal with it. You know, it's it's right there. You, the boats are right there. You know, something like Rockland Harbor is is really cool and it's got that diverse commercial activity, but you really don't get a sense of um, 
intimacy with it. But with with Camden Harbor, it's just the opposite. It's a it's a snug, cozy harbor, and uh, in summertime, it has got all kinds of energy going with it. So, and the shops in town are just amazing. So it's a uh, all the way around. If if you're visiting Maine, yeah, Camden's a must must see. Yeah, and you've got that nice little park bordering the harbor as well. People can hang out there. And when you're in the harbor, coming or going from the harbor, I always like to to look back and see the the Camden Hills. Uh, overlooking the harbor, which yeah. adds a lot of scenic uh, beauty to it as well. It, it's one of those places that actually truly lives up to the name that goes along with it. Where, and in this case, it's where the mountains meet the sea. And it's just, it totally meets that expectation. Mm-hmm. Don't they, in some of their literature, don't they also refer to Camden as the jewel of Penobscot Bay? I think yes, I've, I've seen yes. that over the years and yeah. certainly that too. Yeah, the yeah, Chamber yeah. of Commerce calls it the jewel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you. And and Dominic on the, the uh, Mount Batty and Mount McGuntycook. Um, as you know, Jeremy, from spending so much time up in the Bar Harbor region, uh, the Mount Desert Island is even more majestic, but the Camden Hills there uh, really do give it a run for the money in terms of how they come right down that harbor. And maybe that setting alone uh, for a harbor is unbeatable. Uh, nobody yeah. could beat the uh, Acadia region for its beauty, um, but if you put the harbor and the mountains together, I think that's a winner right there. Yeah, well, you just uh, touched on my two favorite harbors, Camden and, and Bar Harbor. Those are absolutely the top of my list. So I have one final question. Again, this is for any or all of you. Okay, and this is for bonus points, by the way. So I hope you've got your number two pencils sharpened and ready here. What do you enjoy most about working at Owl's Head Light Station? Of course, I like I like seeing meeting all the people, seeing hearing their stories. There's been some heart wrenching ones, but sweet at the end, and memorable ones, and that's that's always neat to hear people's stories when they come and what the place means to them, what they got out of it, and that kind of thing. That's that's a unique aspect. From a personal note, it's a neat thing to be able to look out the window and look back towards Camden Hills and see home. And then on the way home, we can, as we go through Rockport Harbor to get to Camden, we can look back and see, yep, there's the light shining bright and off to home we go. So that's kind of a, it's kind of a neat thing, kind of go to full circle each day. You know, as you head to work, you see the light where you're headed, you get there, you're at, at work, you're looking back, you see, yep, there's home, I'm going to head there. And uh, then you see the light on your way home. And also, as, as our six-year-old likes to say, the light's shining bright. <laughs> miles away. Yeah, six miles yeah. away. <laughs> I think for me, when we touched on it already, but the the weather is just that's probably be probably my most favorite aspect about it. You can't beat it. And the peace and quiet that you get there in the winter, you can just sit there and you'll see maybe 10 people all day. And it's just so enjoyable to be there and experience it that I would say that's probably my favorite aspect. Okay, my favorite aspect about Alice Lane, well, there's a lot of them, but I'm gonna to try to narrow it down to a couple for you. Uh, number one, we got a front row seat to all kinds of maritime activity on the water, and more so in the summer than in the winter, but um, as somebody who also appreciates the maritime world and the history that goes with it, uh, that's just amazing. It's very diverse traffic coming in and out of the harbor there. But I think the, uh, the two seasons, um, one brings energy. You know, summertime brings all of this uh, uh, excitement. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you just feel the excitement in the air as people are, are visiting the site. So that really buoys your spirit as somebody who loves lighthouses and wants to see them saved. You really feel like, okay, this is, this is awesome. People really appreciate that. But then after a long summer, boy, you get that, you get almost nobody, as Dominic said. And that kind of, in another way, renews your spirits because it allows you to just kind of appreciate the site better. Because sometimes when you're going 100 miles an hour in the summer, you don't always feel like you got that time to relax. Winter gives you that time to relax and give you that sense of, of this beauty that's around you. And then maybe the last thing I'd say is I really enjoy, especially those days that Gianna comes with me, I really enjoy taking Gianna yes. up into the tower. Every day I check on the light. And um, she, I think she loves it just as much. <laughs> she occasionally helps me go up and do that. And I think that, I think that's a memory. That's a personal thing, but I think that's a memory that, you know, obviously I hope she carries with her the rest of her life. Um, that, cause it's not too many 
children that have that opportunity to do something like that. So uh, for all those reasons and many, many more, yeah, no, Alset is very, very special. It is. It's a very uh, special part of the world you get to, to work and, and live in there. Of all the, the parts of the New England coast, and I love the whole New England coast, but I'd say Midcoast, Maine is my favorite part of the New England coast. Uh, it's very special. And you guys have a, have a special family and get, getting to uh, experience it the way you just described uh, with your daughter, Gianna. Yeah, it, uh, Jeremy, it's funny. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's funny, Jeremy, because people say to us, we get this question, all of us will get this question at different times. Do you live here? <laughs> and it's like, no, we don't live here. We work here. But sometimes it feels like we live here because we're so much. I get to, in a sense, participate as much of a lighthouse keeper as you can today. But if that lights out, I'll replace the lamp or I'll reset the fog corner. I'll do that kind of thing. So that's something really neat because, you you know, it, it's just one more aspect about keeping the light that, mm-hmm. you know, I know is unique because it generally isn't going to happen that way for most people. So, so I, I, I try to appreciate that part too, before it goes to LED. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I want to thank you again. Again, you live in such a, a special part of the world and work in a, in a great uh, spot. One of my favorite lighthouses anywhere else had. And I appreciate you spending this time with me today. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking again soon, as we always do. And I look forward to seeing you up there again. And again, Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Happy New Year to you, Jeremy. And thank you for shining a bright light on Alshead for us. And I encourage everybody, come see us in 2022. To learn more about the American Lighthouse Foundation, visit the organization's website at lighthousefoundation.org. And for more on the books by the Trapani family, check out momentsinmaine.com. As I said in the interview, I've known the Trapanis for about 20 years, and I was looking back at the photos I've taken over the years, and I would say I've visited Owl's Head Lighthouse, I'm going to say 40 or 50 times since the late 1980s. Uh, (laughs) The first time I visited was uh, around the time it was being automated, and Mac Rouse, the last keeper, was uh, getting ready to leave. I interviewed him. The last time I visited was early October, uh, just a couple of months ago, with the U.S. Lighthouse Society tour group and the Trapanis couldn't have been more generous hosts. As always, we thank the volunteers, members, and staff of the U.S. Lighthouse Society and all its chapters and affiliates. Check out uslhs.org to learn more about everything the Society offers. Don't forget that memberships and donations help support this podcast, along with all the other education and preservation projects of the Society. In the introduction, I mentioned that you are now a copy editor for the Society's quarterly journal, The Keeper's mm-hmm. Log, right? So how's that gig going? It's going really well. I came in during the summer issue, and then I got to work on the whole fall issue. So I'm really excited about it. Excellent. I'm really happy about how that's worked out. I know you're a great proofreader from personal Thank experience, you. a great editor, <laughs> I should say, copy editor. And a heads up, you're going to be uh, editing one of my articles coming at an article and a book review, I think, in the next uh, next edition. So oh, yes. watch for those. And I will. Uh, be kind, but be, <laughs> be correct, as you always are. Always. So. Kindness, and but correct. Yes. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> If you listen using Apple Podcasts or any platform that allows you to write reviews, please rate and review us. And please spread the word about this podcast on social media. The Trapanis talked a lot in today's interview about how beautiful Owl's Head Light Station is in winter, which brings to mind this quote by author Paul Theroux. Quote, Maine is a joy in the summer, but the soul of Maine is more apparent in the winter. Unquote. To all our regular listeners and to our new ones, thank you so much for listening and keep a good light. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine.